Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is former representative Patricia Todd, now with Jobs to Move America. Also, the V-Team asked, could Mo Brooks lose Trump's endorsement? And there's a group that doesn't feel like they're represented in Montgomery. You shut up! Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh, come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help, I'm being repressed! Hint, it's not Democrats. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to the voice of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire, and Josh Moon, columnist and investigative reporter for APR. Welcome. Hey guys. Thanks for having us. Hey. We have no good news on COVID front. The update says it is getting worse. It will get better, but right now it is bad. Uh, we have nearly 3,000 people in hospital right now. We have nearly 50 children, Josh, in mm -hmm. hospital. And, and closing in, we have 12,291 dead. And don't forget, we've got net negative ICU beds in the tune getting around to be 90 right now. 90 beds negative in the ICU. Josh, I don't... I don't think there's anything else we can say to convince people to do the right thing. We just have to live through this. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's about right. I mean, you know, we've said uh, pretty much everything. Uh, you know, we we've got the stories every day of of this uh, you know conservative guy or you know anti-vax guy that was on the radio preaching against vaccines and preaching against the virus was a hoax, and now that person's dying. Uh, I don't know how many uh, we've reached of those kind of stories now, but it's a lot. Uh, you know, and everybody's got somebody in their family who wouldn't take the vaccine and who has either died or has nearly died. Um, right. And so, I, you know, normally the personal examples is what hits home with people. And, uh, I, you know, I, I know the vaccine rate's ticking up here in the state, which it couldn't help but tick up some. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what else to say to people about this. I really don't. I mean, Susan, we've talked to people recently that didn't even know that the vaccine was free right. or that they could get it at their local pharmacy. I mean, I don't know how you're that disinformed, uh, but that's that's a fact. It uh, is a fact. They don't know it's free. They don't, they don't know where they can get it. They don't know how easy it is to get. So I don't, I don't know what we do other than just keep pushing the message and hoping that things change. What is really disturbing to me, though, is the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maxxers, maskers, it has become a form of political violence, Josh. We've seen this here, we've seen it in Georgia, we've seen it across the South. I mean, this is just the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a, I, I can't figure out what to call this week asking why everybody is so angry. You know, why are you, why are you angry at doctors and nurses? And, uh, you know, we, we have nurses literally changing out of their scrubs before they leave the hospital after their shift so they won't be identified as a nurse. Um, you know, I, and, and you're yelling at doctors at school board meetings. I mean, we all saw that video from, from Nashville, right outside of Nashville. Uh, you know, these people, at, at worst, at worst, they're simply wrong 
about the way they're trying to help protect your children and the people who you love the most in the world. That's all they're wrong about. You know, they're not, they're not out here trying to take away something from you. They're not out here trying to do something bad to you for personal gain. That, that, I don't know why you're so mad at these people. Why are you so angry at them? I mean, Susan, the people that cry freedom the loudest mm -hmm. want to bully everyone else into submission. I mean, they talk about freedom. This is not freedom. This is <laughs> anarchy. I mean, look at Georgia this last week where a bunch of them stormed those vaccine clinics that were set yeah, the up. mobile vaccine Mobile vaccine yeah. clinics where they were, you know, they eventually had to shut them down because they were harassing the healthcare workers so bad. What is it about my liberty, my decision to take my vaccine that, is, that they think is right for them expressing their liberty to take away from me? I don't understand. Uh, Josh, I mean, a, a, an Ipso Axio poll recently found that 70% of the public think that there should be masks in schools. 60%, 66% think that you should be, uh, people should wear masks in public. Mm -hmm. uh, here in Alabama, you would get a revolt if, <laughs> if the governor just declared a mask mandate again, and she'd probably lose re-election. Well, you know, I, you know, people say that, but I, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, I think it's a lot like the kind of the abortion issue, where the loudest people in the in the room, you know, make the most noise, and so there's this perception that there's this ultra large group of people out there, you know, that that approaches fifty fifty uh, that do that. I'm, you know, I've looked at the numbers for around the state. I think there are a lot of people in this state. I think, matter of fact, I think the majority of people in this state uh, uh, approach this from a more common sense perspective and want those masks and want the vaccine and want people to be vaccinated and, and for us to get back to some level of normalcy out of this. And they know that's the only way. Josh, you are so much more optimistic than me. <laughs> I just don't think common sense is very common. No. I just don't. Thinking is hard work. Most people avoid it. Yeah, well, no, there's, there's, there's no doubt. It's, you know, the, the problem that we have now is these people, get, they get together in their little bubbles and they believe that they are the majority. And so they're out here screaming the loudest like they are the majority. And, yeah. and, so, and somehow we, we've treated them that way in some instances. And, it, and I yeah. just don't think it's the case. Well, I, you know, we, we're seeing schools closing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing uh, the, the un fights over the mask in schools and all this. People going in and snatching masks off teachers' face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I like them trying to snatch a mask off my face. Yeah, that'd probably be the last thing they ever snatched in this <laughs> world. But, Josh, you know, teachers are, are under fire, just like mm -hmm. uh, nurses and doctors. I mean, <clears throat> and they're having to use their sick leave, in many cases, if they're, they have to quarantine. I, I just yeah, don't think that's fair. No, I, I don't think that's fair. I think that's absolutely wrong. I mean, you, if you have close contact, if you're a teacher and you have close contact with a student who tests positive, well, you've got to go home for 10 days, even if, you don't, if you're not sick, because that's the policy. Well, to me, if, if that's the policy, then you ought to give them, you ought to grant them those days as additional leave time. Uh, yeah. You know, that, I mean, surely out of all the federal money we've had, the millions and millions of dollars that have come in from the feds, we can find enough money to give the teachers a couple of extra damn days of break here. You would think so, but it, it, it's just not, it's not happening universally. Well, what's, what's happening here, I think, is we have money for schools. We had money for schools and teachers and all that. And basically, from what I can understand, that money got squandered. I don't yeah. know that for a fact, yeah. but if it's not there, there's a reason it's not there. I'd like to see how they've spent all that money, but I guarantee you, know. it's gone into several slush funds and it has not gone to where it needs to go, Josh. Mm -hmm. wouldn't, yeah. you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you bet? 
Well, I mean, just looking at the classrooms, I think that's a pretty obvious uh, statement, you know, uh, is that it hadn't gone to, to some things that could have been used as mitigation efforts on the things. And I'll tell you this, it's time for the teachers and the good, smart people of Alabama to start making as much noise as the crazy people are. And when that happens, you get yeah. what you want. Yeah, you're right. Because what happens is, is you the base of the Republican Party is yep. in control, which is a minority of the majority Republican. And so the rest of us are having to deal with the lunacy and how it affects our health, our children's yep. health, and our schools. 100%. We're going to leave, we're gonna have to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. So you got caught speeding. But this time, you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Your career isn't a job. It's a journey. Your next job could lead to bigger things. And you're in charge of how fast and how far you want to go. At alabamaworks.com, you can connect with employers and start working right now. Then chart your path forward with training and career planning tools. That next paycheck is great, but it's only the beginning. Start a great success story at alabamaworks.com. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is former state rep Patricia Todd, who now is the Southern Policy Manager for Jobs to Move America. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to see you all be with you today. Wish it was in person. Yeah, yeah, that would be that nice. That would be wonderful. Uh, this position that you have, you sat and analyzed, y'all did an analysis of Alabama's incentives to businesses which found that over 30 years, the state's incentives have been at $4 billion. Your study also shows that we could be doing better. Can you express to us what you found in the survey and how can Alabama do a better job with these incentives? And let me first say that we're not opposed to incentives. I think sometimes they are effective use of job creation, but there's some things we question in Alabama's, the way that we award and report on incentives. First of all, you can't find information about them. Uh, we right. don't know who gets incentives, how much, what the terms of the agreements are, because uh, those agreements are exempt from Pub Public Records uh, Act. Um, I, I'll give you an example. The, the Toyota uh, Mazda plant that's gonna be built in North Alabama is gonna cost the state about a billion dollars. And that's building infrastructure, exemption from you know sales and use tax, property taxes. And over a period of time, um, Alabama obviously has invested a lot of money in these companies, uh, including Amazon, which is alarming. Um, but I, right now we question the fact about continuing to give incentives when we have such low unemployment rate. Our unemployment rate is about 3%, which is practically full employment. Uh, so why are we giving incentives to profitable corporations to move here? 
Uh, we believe in full transparency and accountability on these incentives. Some of the things we're going to be recommending is that there should be a third party evaluator of incentives every year. Maybe the Department of Revenue um, goes in and looks at the agreements. Did they meet the terms? Were there any clawbacks? How much did it cost the state? How much do they pay employees coming in? Those sort of things that I think are should be requirements and agreements. Um, and the other part is to remove the exemption of the uh, agreements from from being open records. Other states are doing this. Mississippi's doing a better job than we are. Uh, Kentucky's doing a better job. Uh, we'll also push for a separate budget just on economic tax incentives. So legislators and the public can actually see the fiscal impact and the outcomes for all the incentives. So those are some of the things we're gonna be recommending. Well, and I remember going, uh, and, and listen, uh, Greg Canfield and that group has done a great job of, of bringing in business to Alabama, and we're thankful for the business, but these are taxpayer dollars. And I remember asking years ago, I said, do we have any metrics whereby the taxpayer can see what their money went to? How did it actually profit the state and individuals? We don't have that, right? But we should. It's not open to the public. Um, the Department of Commerce says that they've got those metrics. All we're saying is this is taxpayers' money, and it's a lot of money. Um, yeah. And that they're, and we got to remember that when the state exempts a corporation from property and sales and use tax, the localities have to follow suit. They don't have a choice. And that sucks a lot of money out of their operating budgets. Um, we're seeing that across the state. All we're saying is, we want to see how you make the determination who get an incentive to. And other research has demonstrated that a lot of these companies don't make a decision about where to relocate based on incentives. They do it based on supply chain, transportation, um, and, a, and a workforce that's able to go to work. We, In addition to the incentives, we give a lot of money for workforce development training. Right. So these are things we question. We just want transparency and accountability, and uh, we'll be pushing for that. Have you found, and you're, you know, it, speaking with some of your former colleagues, is there an openness to look into this and actually make better decisions, or at least to have it transparent, uh, so that the public can be aware of where the tax dollars? Absolutely. Are. Almost every legislator I've talked to said you're exactly right. I really don't know. Um, how these incentives are put together. There's, we're just beginning to scratch the surface, but you know, I sat on that education budget committee for eight years, and that's where I first started to question this because I would ask for reports and we're told, I'm sorry, we can't give you that information, it's proprietary. And I'm like, I have a fiduciary responsibility as a legislator to know where every penny goes to and what right. the impact mm -hmm. and outcomes are. Absolutely. So how, how do you think we should measure our success as far as the way we're giving these incentives and, me and measuring the way we're getting back from Well, them? first, there's two indicators I would suggest instead of just unemployment statistics. One is the poverty rate. Are we affecting the poverty rate at, at any time? And also the average family income. It, you know, what we're finding is a lot of the auto manufacturers may start a worker at 13 bucks an hour. 
you can't support yourself or family on 13 bucks an hour. So we would like to see a requirement that there's a living wage provision that, you know, you're getting tax incentive money and your shareholders are benefiting. The workers are the ones that are increasing your profit level. We want to make sure they are treated right. And these are good jobs that you can raise a family with. So um, we mostly focus on manufacturing because that's where most of these jobs uh, come into. We're not talking about film incentives or any of that or historic tax credits. We're only talking about incentives given to manufacturers. Do you, do you think that part, and we only got about 30 seconds here, uh, if you could just, just give me a, a synopsis of what you hope to accomplish if we get let back into the steakhouse. <laughs> well, we'll be introducing two pieces of legislation. Uh, we already have co-sponsors lined up, Republicans and Democrats. We hope to begin the discussion about this and, and inform the public and stakeholders, local stakeholders, about why you need to be paying attention to this and question what's in these incentives and agreements and also to require reports back to the local agencies. Because what we're finding is local municipalities don't really know the impact of those incentives and whether they did hire the people they said they were gonna hire. So it's, it's a first, it's a public education campaign. Well, it sounds like a noble cause to me because we've been asking for that for years. I want to thank you for joining us today and come back and let us know how things are progressing. Okay, Anytime. Thanks. Thank you all so much and good to see you. Good, good to see, see you. you. Our special guest has been former state representative Patricia Todd, who now is the Southern Policy Manager for Jobs for America. We'll be right back. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. No, not this. This. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. If you've been working, you've already proven yourself in ways you may not even notice. Managing your time, communicating effectively, and working as part of a team are key skills that employers value. At alabamaworks.com, you can find out how to build on your experience to up your game and get the job you really want because it's out there. Start your new success story at alabamaworks.com. Sponsored by Alabama Works, the Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station.
Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Josh, you reported on it this week. The uh, new ad campaign has come out from the uh, association that's been formed by the track owners here in Alabama, mm -hmm. and they are pushing to have Governor Kay Ivey uh, call a special session among the ones that she is already calling mm -hmm. to address gaming. And yep. they say that we are losing, and I believe this is true because I've seen the studies, $700 million annually mm -hmm. by not passing a gaming bill. Yep. Yeah, and that's the minimum that we're losing. All right. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're, we're losing the $700 million, and that doesn't take into account the payroll taxes that the casinos would pay. Uh, it also doesn't take into account uh, the money that would come from revenue from a compact with the Porch Creek Indians. Um, so, you know, we're losing, I would say, somewhere around a billion dollars, uh, actually, uh, a year out, out of not doing this. And it doesn't make any sense to me. All right. All the other fights all throughout this, and I've covered a lot of them, covered them pretty in depth yeah. for a long time in these gambling fights. All of the other ones, you could understand why they failed because you had these two sides that were against each other and nobody wanted to give ground and everybody wanted to get whatever they could get uh, out of this thing. Well, now those two sides are together and they're behind this thing and we've got the votes in the legislature to get it done. And for some reason or another, we can't get, we can't get the thing done. I, I, I don't know why this is. At this point, it's simply an economic development bill. Uh, you're, not really, you're not really doing anything new. No. No, we already have gaming and yeah, it's already here. But this yep. would create some twelve to fifteen thousand new jobs. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 the state wouldn't have to pay a dime for it, like we do these other big companies. No, there's no economic incentives here to give away. No, nobody's asking for any money. No, they're just asking for the ability to run their business. Yeah, which they're well, already I put, doing. I put it in, let me put it in perspective. We gave Toyota Mazda. $700 million in incentives, okay? Which is fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. They brought a lot of jobs. They're going to do a lot of good in the area, in the, in the Huntsville area. That's, that's fine. This bill would create essentially three Toyota Mazdas, and we don't give them a dime, and you're still not doing it. I don't understand what's going on. I, I, I don't either, and it, it's just there is no, uh, there has to be political will because the politicians that we talk to are ready to pass this Mm -hmm. lottery gaming bill we just need the governor to say okay i'm going to put it in the call for a special yep. session right. i think that's real easy uh we've been promised that to give the voters a chance to vote now is the time and, to give the and, voters and, a and the, uh, the polls that have been run on this you know we're in the high 60s 70 percent approval of a gaming bill amongst the the voters in the state what's holding this up no yeah. uh, look 90 percent want at least the chance to vote on it yeah, yeah, that's right. I think we should get a chance to vote on it. I think we should get a chance to vote on it soon. Mm -hmm. I want to move on. Uh, now, I'm not saying this is a news report, no. but, but but talking to people that are close to the, the Trump people here in Alabama say that the former president was really upset that Mo Brooks upstaged him at his rally in Coleman. Mm -hmm. And by that, they mean that Mo Brooks got all the headlines. Trump mm -hmm. didn't get the headlines. It was Mo Brooks. And that, according to these sources, that he's contemplating pulling his endorsement of Joe, of uh, Mo, Mo Brooks, Brooks and moving it over to Jessica Taylor. Jessica Taylor. I mean, what do you think, Susan? I wouldn't put it past him. I, I mean, I would not put it past Donald Trump at all to do that. I mean, Josh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, in the bizarro world mm. of politics, this is not outside the realm of possibility. <laughs> no. I mean, it's whatever you don't think is possible for a politician to do, Trump will do it. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's just, and I think the problem with that Mo Brooks had is not necessarily that, that he just upstaged him, but that he upstaged him with something negative. Uh, yeah. You know, it was right. a negative that he talked about getting over the 2020 election uh, mm-hmm. uh, to Trump's mind. It was it was a negative. And so that got all the headlines because he got booed. Uh, you know, Mo got booed at the rally, which all he had to do was basically just stand there and not say anything. And he would have been better <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, recently we reported on a, a, a Brooks uh, function and which the people there were all over him saying we're not over uh, the 2020 elections. And even made the case that, uh, and we got to move on after this, but made the case that, you know, these election audits were going to find that Trump won, and then the military was going to come in and remove Joe Biden and reinstate Donald Trump. I talked to a military, uh, a former military guy, said, if we took over the government, we would not reinstate Donald Trump. <laughs> That's not the way the military yeah. thinks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mark Milley would be your uh, would be your new president. Yeah, that's the way it is. Hey, I want to move on. This is the craziest thing in the world. A Parker poll found that uh, 61% of Alabamians say people like them have no say in the government in Montgomery, and 58 were Democrats who said they have no say, but 66% of Republicans, Josh, say they have no say in Montgomery. What world are people living in? I don't understand. What, what world are you living in? And if you don't think so, you have. if you're a Republican in this state, or you're a Republican voter, you have all the power in the world. What are you talking about? I mean, it's a supermajority, Susan. That it is means a supermajority. Democrats have no say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they have no say. And and the Republicans, you know, if you're not satisfied, talk to your representatives, talk to your senators. They're right there. Why? Well, but... The most confusing just, thing are the 45% of, uh, of Democrats who think they do have a say. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty confusing. I just hate to break it to you. Uh-uh. You don't. Yeah, you don't. You don't nobody don't. cares. No, no, nobody's nobody listening. Cares. Nobody's listening. But I talked to somebody, and we got about a minute here, the Republican Party, who said what they mean is that they couldn't get a transgender bill passed. Mm-hmm. They're afraid they're not going to get an anti-critical race theory mm-hmm. bill passed. They're afraid that they couldn't get a anti-protest bill passed, and they want a they want what's called a constitutional carry, which there is no such thing. But they want to be able to carry their AK-47s and their AR-15s to Walmart without yeah. anybody saying anything. Yeah, they want they want basically Gilead from uh, from The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. There you go. They also want the anti-mask uh, laws. They want yeah. anti-vaccine laws, which you're not going to get. Yeah. The thing that worries me is how do these issues put food on anyone's table. No, How do they raise a child, uh, help educate a child? None of those things. Those are the things we need to be addressing. This is, right now, this is a me, 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 me. These are the me, 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 me Republicans. It really feels mm-hmm. like the 80s where everything is about, it's all about me. But we're going to yeah. have to leave it there because it's really all about you. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.